Hello and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. This is your host, Minion, also known as Rob. This week I'd like to respond to some of the calls that I've had, particularly to a longer one from Conrad Kinch of Sense 3 and 4 Pence. Conrad's been kind enough to discuss various topics with me of late, and this has brought up new topics, so it's been very enjoyable and stimulating. If you haven't listened to his podcast yet, I highly recommend it. I've also been involved um, in a discussion on Twitter about Wizards of the Coast's chief designer, Mike Merrill's suggestion of allowing PCs to level up every four-hour session. I took the plunge after reading the angry GM's critique of this. To date, the thread has been trouble-free, although I think it's probably better to offer up some light-hearted quips and platitudes before anything kicks off. If nothing else, it's been a great opportunity for me to reappraise what D&D means to me, the power of incentive-driven advancement to shape the direction of play, and the easy um, exchangeability of one basis of XP, say the gold piece, for another say, data units or colony resource units or whatever. Thanks for everyone for getting involved in the discussion, uh, whether you are some kind of, um, you use some kind of milestone-based levelling system or old-fashioned XP. Thanks particularly to Gavin Norman of Necrotic Gnome and Old School Essentials for planting the seed in my head last Christmas. Anyway, here's Conrad's call-in. Rob, uh, Conrad Kinch here of um, Send 3 and 4 Pence. I was thinking about your uh, basic Dungeons and Dragons um, episode and sort of mulling over what I thought of it. I think you, you sort of hit the nail on the head in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, it's a, it is a very well-crafted introduction to the hobby of role-playing. Um, particularly that sort of choose your own adventure um, uh, scenario, which I remember vividly, and even the name of Burgle um, sort of uh, raises my ire right now. Uh, he was an excellent villain, a really proper body, um, but I sort of share. I I noticed that you you said that you didn't play it very much. Um, and I was wondering, what did you play instead? I mean, obviously there was a game. Oh, sorry, you were saying you played first edition D AD and D. I think it was, but regardless, um, it didn't take with me in the same way that fighting fantasy did, um, uh, or or other sort of later game because uh, that box was something I got when I think I was about eight or nine, so roughly 1988-1989 and I had already been exposed to the hobby through Fighting Fantasy and that stuck in a way that uh, basic D&D didn't and I think reflecting on it it probably had a lot to do with the art I mean I'm perfectly willing to accept that Larry Elmore is a very talented artist but I've never particularly liked the aesthetic and I've I've much preferred the the sort of the um Warhammer fantasy role play uh slash fighting fantasy aesthetic and 
one of the things that has sort of always struck me about Elmore's work is that the armor looks like a sort of a variation on American sports gear rather than um sort of proper armor I mean and as a youngster you know I I devoured books on you know I read Henry Therese and Rosemary Sutcliffe obsessively and I knew what arms and armor looked like and I knew what a knight looked like and I knew it didn't look like this and this was sort of something <clears throat> sort of different in a way that I couldn't quite put my finger on it and yeah I, I think that was sort of one of the reasons it sort of didn't quite stick in the same way that uh, something like um, Fighting Fantasy or Pendragon did. All right, thanks very much for another great episode. Uh, keep them coming. Thanks, Conrad. Yeah, um, why didn't it take with us, I wonder? As I, as you mentioned, uh, and I think I did as well, yes, I did tend to play first edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, although I always wanted to break out the red box and the other boxes, you know, there was a certain, um, I had a certain sort of emotional attachment to those because perhaps because they were the first things that I got, but also perhaps strangely enough, because of the art and the execution of the art, because it was kind of different. Um, what is it about the art that was different? I wonder, I mean, you, you've said that it's, it was, it was distanced in some ways, or you've suggested it was kind of separate or distance in some ways from the typical um imagery of of medieval um european fan uh, european fantasy does that make sense you know what i'm trying to say um but also it was it's distanced from the typical swords and sorcery uh genres and depictions of those kind of things as well so you do have these uh beauty beautiful figures, these beautiful people um, in armour, these these characters uh, who appear to have walked out of a beauty salon. Uh, they have this lovely armour, bluish kind of steel armour with gold or bronze trim and they do look wonderful and it does stand out as being different from swords and sorcery but also from the European type of fantasy that we got from the white dwarf uh from fighting fantasy and from uh, warhammer um obviously you know that developing into from the battle game into the fantasy role playing game the execution of art that i was initially exposed to um which was would have been in fighting fantasy is quite different from that of um, the basic set so it's quite an interesting point so where was i yeah um the uh, 1983 basic set had this charming and sanitized youthful feel to it um which was different from what had gone before in you know say the 1981 set uh, which was a little bit more kind of i don't know how if i'm overusing the term but it's uh, gonzo and little bit kind of uh you got a real 70s vibe to it you know you got all those flares and stuff and different from as i said the uh the european british feel um aesthetic uh they're all good but something that's missing from it is the is the oppressive 
nature, the oppressive sort of ambience of of the medieval society that, or the fantasy, the, the gloom and doom and the uh, foreboding, uh, overriding sense of fear uh, of the fantasy setting as as depicted uh, through White Dwarf and, uh, and artists such as Russ Nicholson, uh, where. In comparison, the the eighty three set, you've got this more kind of a bright feel of good versus evil, and pioneers, um, bravely uh, setting out to the frontier, to the borderlands, uh, and settling things, civilizing things, um, reaping their rightful uh, bounty, and and and. Uh, from the land and from the the forces of evil yes it's a different setup altogether isn't it so i'm sure conrad that there's a there's a lot of um, topics that we haven't or haven't explored here um compared to what we've been talking about on twitter and using messenger and so on um well perhaps we can unpackage those in the future i do know that you're uh, making a uh, an episode on the use of violence uh, in RPGs and um, I'm very interested in hearing what you have to say on that subject so thanks very much Conrad uh, that's the next message that leads me to the next message rather uh, which is from Jason Jason's excuse me <laughs> nerds RPG variety cast okay let Jason let's see what you have to say Hey, Jason here. I enjoyed listening to your latest episode. I don't know. Um, I, I'm not sure what to tell you about your your game as far as your combat options because your you know your players want to play old school. You know if you're if you're gonna do it, <laughs> that's you know you guys are doing it. But the problem is they're not doing it. You're doing all the work. So, and it sounds like if they're leaving character sheets at home. I'm not picking on them if they're listening, but I don't know if they'd be willing to share that work with you or not, or if you're willing to share with them. But that's obviously one option is is put some of the load on them with with the combat things. But if if that's not really an option, then yeah, you know, probably you do need to simplify, which which will cause problems. Either you'll some weapons will become, you know, there's no reason to use them anymore, or I don't know. Hopefully some other callers will give you some some actual real advice. <laughs> other than that, I like I say I'm enjoying your show. I, I look forward to hearing what you decide to do. Your your session recaps interesting as you struggle with the different things. Yeah, it's tough because those old modules are built for big parties. So when you have a little party, a you get characters knocked out a lot, and I agree with you. And I've been struggling that a little bit with one of my games, the idea whether there should be a permanent disabilities or permanent effects of getting you know knocked down to zero and coming back and then of course the other issue is all the xp they're getting right so but it sounds like you've got a grasp on it um and, and i'm glad we're here to you know be a shoulder be a ear for you to talk to that doesn't make a whole lot of sense does it anyhow enjoy your podcast keep it up talk to you later thanks jason yeah that really does make sense thank you uh see well i do appreciate the ideas and people calling in and uh 
understanding the uh, sort of mental acrobatics that we as GMs go through when when we're appraising uh, how we approach the game, how the game is running out in practice, as opposed to the theory on paper. It does help to sort of keep on coming back to these things. Certainly helps me, that's for sure. Um, I put the idea, or I, we discussed the issues, uh, that is, I discussed them with my group. Um, and the group, for the most part, wanted to st- wants to continue playing Rules as Written, uh, first edition AD&D. Um, and when we come to an issue of the rules where it seems absurd to follow through or, or not to do something, then we apply a, a logical ruling um, as necessary and just because it's it's ridiculous to to sort of double down on something when it's just not working yes so um rulings off the cuff when necessary otherwise we just keep on enjoying the game for what it is and it's artificial of course so, and because it's artificial we can bend it where necessary to make a more satisfactory or logical um, um, game flow, yeah. So that's what we decided upon, and I, I think, I think that that's worked uh, to date, and it's probably worth um, sticking to from year after. Uh, another factor, and you, which you also mentioned, um, was the uh, downtime from injuries. You know, lower level characters do go down a lot you know you do have that buffer with AD&D where they're not automatically dead uh, even if they reach minus hit points Um, but they are incapacitated even with magical healing they're not going to just jump up and I think I'm going to stick with that the general consensus from the players is that it's really shifted the feel of their role-playing experience um they they feel that time is passing they feel that things matter they their battle plans matter and they they understand that training and injuries um take time so that there is a calendar and i do use the calendar and the days do take the hours tick past the days tick past and that can have um effect on on the game world and and that there you know that also sort of puts gives a certain reality i guess to a backdrop or realistic feeling backdrop uh, against which they can play and yes they don't appear to be um adverse to that at all so we'll keep on keeping on and uh as I've said before, and see where it leads us. Uh, but, yeah, it's all good so far. And one, one new thing, I, I put up I put up um, a quick ad on Twitter and also on Facebook um, regarding uh, players. And we almost automatically got a response from Lyle of uh, Idle Red Hands, podcast uh lyle is uh, as i understand is based in uh, corbe city which isn't too far from uh, 
from Osaka or Kyoto. So uh, like me, he's he's in a situation of being far away from home and podcasting about role playing. So we're really looking forward to、um, Lyle, and、uh, it looks like people are trying to 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 ask him to take on the role of party healer. But we'll see. I, I'm I'm a, a great believer in freedom of choice. So、uh, even if he's a fighter, it'll still really up the group's ability to deal with、um, and overcome. Uh, situations that they're faced with. So,、uh, however it works out,、um, we're really looking forward to、uh, Lyle、um, joining us, and、um, yes, hopefully,、uh, continuing to、uh, shape how this、uh, little Greyhawk、uh, role-playing experiment shapes out. So, anyway, thank you very much. Jason, for your for your call in, it's always great to hear from you, and it gets me、uh, it gets me to the phone, and uh, keeping uh, at this podcast uh, project that <laughs> I'm trying to think of word project that we're involved in. So yeah, look forward to hearing from you again. Cheers, man. So I think that concludes this episode of Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy.、Um, very simple one. I hope it's not too difficult to listen to. But I also think we've、uh, come up with a few other topics for a future、uh, discussion,、uh, such as what is the role of violence in role playing games.、Um, And、what kind of games do you want to play? You know, what kind of aesthetic are you interested in?、Um, including、uh, how the games、um, express our own visions of、uh, real-world historical、uh, issues.、Um, yeah, that's a difficult topic and、uh, one that would really have to be handled quite carefully, very sensitively. Uh, more, more immediately, I really want to to look at fighting fantasy and again get back to my roots、um, as a role player and what inspires me to、uh, play today.、Uh, that's something I'm still working on,、uh, so I will try to get on that this week. I wish you all a a great、um, weekend and week, and、uh, look forward to hearing from you all soon. So that's me, Manuel, also known as Rob, signing out again. Take care and、uh, look forward to future discussions and adventure.